0: You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. This right here is episode 115 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. And uh, I'm Jeff. No, I'm not Jeff. I'm, I'm Pimp Cron. And this is my podcast, in case you're not good at putting two and two together to make four. What are we talking about? Well, we are talking about things and stuff. Grendel writes in and says that he wants to know what my opinion of the new Games Workshop 9th Edition objectives rules are and whether they're balanced or they're broken or whatever. And do I even play with those missions, he asks. Well, I reply to him in that segment of this show. That's how this works. Kron Jr. joins me on the Necromunda Hive Bunker Fortress Terrain Set Piece, and we discuss whether or not we want that and finally we also have a real talk with the Pimp Cron, which is the ending of every episode and we discuss hey people coming in people going out like a revolving door of players and is it the end of your gaming life if you take a break from the hobby we will discuss that and discover whether it is or not I've got some pretty exciting news from one of our sponsors, gamemat.eu, for the pre-painted terrain and game mat supplies. And they have given us a 10% code to get 10% off your order from them. If you use our code EVENT10, no spaces, all caps. EVENT, E-V-E-N-T, 10, with no space. I am super thankful to have them as a sponsor. And uh, they also sponsor Shorehammer, my event. And uh, that is coming up here in just about a month. Super, super stoked for that. So we have another sponsor. Our two sponsors are GameMat.eu and our lovable, adorable, cuddly, snuggly, wuggly sponsors at Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash PimpGron. So what have I been up to? Well, I got a ninth edition game. Uh, One of the more competitive players in our group um, wanted to play 40K with me, and he's got the new space marine book and all that he wanted to do a um, play test of highlander as some practice before the tournament happens in a month and him and i played i was thinking oh man i'm gonna be definitely out out powered here because he's got the new space marine book and i've got tyranids i decided to bring tyranids and i was really concerned that the new powers because all of his doctrines and all the nonsense uh would be way more powerful than my tyranids well i gotta tell you it was a super freaking close game. I um I honestly do think I would have won. I really do. He beat me 17 to 15 and the um of course that's the old scoring rules. We still use the old scoring for um Shorehammer. At least for this year we do. And um 14 to 17, and I got to tell you my first two ro- uh turns of the game. First two turns I rolled shit. I got to tell you. I rolled terrible. And if I had rolled... I mean, so I got my Exocrine, right? My Exocrine, he's going to shoot twice because he didn't move. He's getting plus one to hit, and then I use the Stratagem to give him an extra damage. So I forget now, but he's doing like three or four damage for every, every one of his 12 shots at minus three, strength seven. So I sit there, and I target his Deathwing Knights, and I just plow into them. Shoot 12 shots into them. And this dumb mf rolls and I'm just kidding cuz I like Jay but this idiot <laughs> this idiot rolls man I think it was 8 four up and vulnerable saves it was like he just had an insane number of of four up saves this guy could not save a fucking four up and vulnerable save this entire game and it's his rolling started crapping out later on but I fired that exocrine 12 shots and I don't think I killed a single Deathwing Knight. I might have killed one out of twelve shots. He made so many. Cause I'm hitting on three ups, and then I'm wounding on three ups. So or maybe it was four ups because he's got some stratagem. But the point is, is I was wounding really, really well, and his four up saves were just hot trash in my eyes, because he could save he could not fail one. And then I aimed another turn, I'm like, alright, well I'm gonna go after these bikers, because I don't have the four up save. And, but they had some sort of whatever. Some aura or whatever. Gave him a 5-up in vol, And he made all of those. I'm like, this Exocrine did jack all most of this game. Because if I wasn't rolling crap, then he was rolling amazing. And the the combination of those two was really pissing me off. I don't usually get upset over dice rolling. I don't usually. But we said right up front, look, we're going to do a competitive game. We're both trying to win, and we're both trying to play as if it was a tournament. So if you forget a rule, you forget a rule, that sort of thing. We were being very serious about it, and I was being very serious about it, too. So I think I played extremely well. Uh, He only had, I had about eight models left on the board at the end of the game. Unfortunately, they were all gene stealers, and they were all in one unit, so they were only capping one objective, and he had one, two, three, four five six he had six models left at the end of the game and i had eight but unfortunately he had two models in this unit two models in that unit one model in this unit and one model in that unit so that's how he got more points than me at the end of the game but it was super super good game except i was getting pissed off at my crappy dice rolling i don't think i ever made a tyranid warrior save at all i don't think they saved a single wound um, on a four up or I take, a Yorma So I've got the uh, plus one save for cover and whatnot. And it's just, it was nuts. So not super happy about that, but the game actually was really, really great. I, I had a lot of fun towards the second half of the game. I was rolling a little better and his, he was suddenly able to fail a four up save. So I, uh, I did a lot better, but I just couldn't eke it out at the very end of the game. The highlight of that game is I had a Hive Tyrant that was severely wounded on an objective, and he brought up one of his named characters, and I had I smited him and did some damage, and then I used my Tyranid Smite, whatever that's called, and it's essentially smite, it does extra damage on psychers, but it's basically exactly like smite. And so I did regular smite, and then I did my Tyranid smite, because I was thinking, I'm not taking any chances. I'm going to kill this guy. He had seven wounds, and I did six damage to him. So I rolled two, three damage. And I'm thinking, okay, he's down to one hit point. I'm definitely going to be able to kill him, definitely. So I charge in, I'm striking first, and I whiff pretty much all of my attacks. And if whatever I didn't whiff, he saved. And then he just straight up kills my... Uh, Hive Tyrant, which was fun. My Hive Tyrant was already wounded, but uh, he had a couple wounds, like four wounds on him or something. Uh, four hit points. And he was able to kill my Hive Tyrant. And the highlight of this entire game was that I rolled a six for his death throws, And my Hive Tyrant essentially fell on his character and killed him and gave me Slay the Warlord. So that was super, super fun. I was... Extremely thrilled about that. Of all the times that you know you wish it would blow up and it doesn't, he finally collapsed in his death throes and killed the character. Give me points. So that made me excited. Um, but it was it was one of the more fun games I've had in a while because it was very tactical and very strategic. So, um, and um, what else? I've played Brutality. I played a solo game with my daughter. I've been painting Shorehammer Train. I've been um, we played D and D the other night, which was a lot of fun. You get a couple drinks in McStormen and he's just going crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> and actually Beastman was there too. So, and our, and our buddy Derek, but I mean, he's not on the podcast yet. And, uh, so we all played D and D that was fun. That's set in the, br- the brutal realm for brutality. And, uh, what else? There was one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, Oh, we're remodeling my house. So we're, we, we, making a room into a kid's room and building shelves and stuff like that. So I'm also working on the brutality supplement. So we got a bunch of stuff. I'm also ordering stuff for Shorehammer. We got a bunch of stuff. I also have <laughs> a bunch of <laughs> into the year stuff I'm doing for work. So we're very, very busy, but it's been fun. And the hobby side of it, I painted some terrain. And I also uh, am just about done painting my grunt coptas. So they're gore gruntas that I'm magnetizing tiny little adorable, hilariously small wings on so that they can also be my def copters when I play with them in 40 K. So I am very excited about that. I've got the whole energy ball coming out of their mouth to represent, you know, the missile launcher or whatever. And, uh, pretty excited about that. They're adorable with their, these fat giant, uh, boars with orcs on them and these tiny little dinky wings, like trying to flap ridiculously. I love it. Anyway, remember event10, all caps, no space, at gamemat.eu. And every time you use that code, you're helping support this show because it shows that people listen to the show and they are getting business from the show. So that's that's how advertising works, people. So if you could, please support them. They're a very nice group, and um, I love the owner. We get along very well. He's supported Shorehammer for years and I love all his train. I buy it by the bucket loads. So support the show by supporting them and using Event 10. Anyway, I'm going to keep mentioning this in, in future episodes, but this was the first episode I totally remembered to mention it because my buddy Leroy Jenkins is like, hey, you can't forget about that stupid code, you idiot. And I was like, oh, yeah, forgot about that code. <laughs> so let's get on with this show. I've rambled for far long enough. Let's open the Tesseract Mailbox. Hey everybody, it's the Tesseract Mailbox, and today we have a letter from our buddy Grendel, who is a Patreon subscriber, by the way. Thank you, Grendel Smooches. Since... I have to live vicariously through you and my old gaming group. I am wondering, have you guys been using the new GW missions with primary and secondary objectives, or do you still use the War Planner or make up your own scenarios? How balanced do you think the new objectives are? Is it fair that there are objectives with psychic for psychic-only armies? So, I guess I will do them in reverse order, because the psychic army thing I have the most to say, honestly, about... Was that a sentence? I don't think it was. The point is, (laughs) I have a lot to say about the psychic things. Number one, frequently psychers are characters, which of course is not always the case, but frequently psychers are characters. And guess who doesn't often score objectives or points in a game? Those would be characters. So I don't really think that it's a bad thing that you have some objectives that are based solely around psychic actions or things like that. And I actually think it's a pretty good thing because the characters are usually being protected, so they're not out on the front lines. And the psychic action to get the victory points actually prevents you from casting any of your psychic powers for that model. So I feel like that's a really good trade-off. It gives them a chance to actually score in the game, which they're slightly less likely to do if they're a character, and it also limits their psychic abilities. So, in other words, they're giving up something that they're actually good at in order to score points. That would be, like, some sort of objective where your melee unit is not supposed to charge. I mean, instead of charging, they can score some points. And that's a good decision, because they're good at melee, just like this guy's good at Psyker. Psychic... Man, I can't talk. Psychic powers... And he is giving up the thing that he is good for and the reason why you took him in order to do this thing that's actually going to score your points. So I definitely think that's a pretty good idea. Whether or not it can be super cheesed or not, I don't know. But I think it is definitely a good idea. And the next question is, are we using the mission's primary and secondary objectives in the GW rulebook? Yes, we have been. We've been using that in our gaming club. I have actually not played a whole lot of 9th edition since it came out. I hate to say that. It's not an intentional choice, but I get to play about once per week at the gaming club, and we've we've had several people on a Brutality binge. I've played Brutality like the last five weeks, so so, uh, that's been what I've been up to. And um, with the exception of this week, I actually played 40k. I've played 40k with Just James a couple times, and we were exploring the 9th edition rules and things like that. So I've gotten a couple games in, but unfortunately, I have not played as much as I would like to. I'm starting to warm up with all these 9th edition changes. I'm starting to warm up to the secondary objectives and things like that. So I'm getting increasingly excited about it. I hit a slump a couple weeks ago, and I wrote an article about it saying that, you know, I was kind of downtrodden about all the changes for 9th edition, and I still am very leery of all the new codex changes. I do find it to be somewhat exhausting. But the actual core rules, I think, are mostly pretty good and mostly positive, if not a little more complicated than before, but what do you do about that? So the primary and secondary objectives for the missions, I think, are a really good idea. The problem is... Damn it, games workshop you have no idea about game balance there are some of these like first blood or slay the warlord that you might pick that seriously limit the number of points that you can score if you are trying to win the game and you're trying to score points you're going to have to pick secondary objectives that you can max out in the you know that actually will you can hit your cap for points scored And several of them just will not do that. Many of them you score every turn. Many of them you can do, you know, every time you do this action or that action, whatever. A lot of them you can do multiple times, but some of them are just purely limited. For instance, the uh, Titan Slayer or whatever for the Super Heavies. It's just, it's not super viable to do that and make it work properly. Um, Some of them are putting you at just a... Purely an advantage, a disadvantage compared to other ones. So, I don't think that's well done. If here, okay, here's a little bit of uh, game design theory, people. If you are designing a game that has different options, for instance, I can go left or I can go right, the players will always try to pick the most beneficial decision. So, if left is all golden brick roads and fountains of fondue, and right is cancer. You think they're going to go right? No, they're probably going to choose left. But if the left is, you know, golden roads with cheese fountains and the other one is golden roads with chocolate fountains, okay, now that's a better, more balanced choice. Some people are going to prefer the chocolate. Some people are going to prefer the cheese. Whatever. I've never actually tried fondue, so I'm definitely going for the chocolate fountain, a la Willy Wonka. Point is... Is that I am not afraid to drown in the chocolate river? No, actually, that's not the point. The point is, is that if you make different choices, they have to all be good choices. Otherwise, there is no reason why it's actually not a choice. You're not giving them a choice at all because it's an it's a no-brainer. It's an auto take, which is partly the reason why our biggest convention, uh, biggest event at Shorehammer, is a Highlander because. We are forcing you to make more choices. Let's say, like, back when Aggressors before the nerf, Aggressors were just baller. Yeah, I'm going to take my, what, 18 Aggressors, or however many I could max it out as in a tournament. you have going to take my 18 Aggressors because it's an auto-take. Well, no. In a Highlander, you can take one squad of Aggressors if you want, but you're also limited in your points because they're smaller games. And all of this is geared towards balancing the game, and not making things an auto-take. Oh, y'all yeah, just take everything that's best. No, you can't do that. And you, uh, you know, I don't know if people realize that or not, but game balance is kind of my thing, and I really do feel like Games Workshop has some of these that are just not a good choice. I don't know why anybody would ever take Slay the Warlord or Linebreaker. I really don't, because it's they're just not the max... They're much harder to successfully win a game using those as your secondaries. I'll say that. It's obviously not impossible, but it is putting you at a disadvantage, where there's many secondaries that will put you at an advantage, like thin their ranks if you're playing against a bunch of Termagants. Some of them are clear options, and you can max them out. So I think that the secondary and main objectives are good things. I definitely think they're good additions to the game. And I always liked in Malifaux, when I used to play Malifaux, that you could choose what your win conditions were. You know, sometimes you had to plant bombs or whatever. You got to actually choose how you wanted to score. And your opponent also chose how they wanted to score. And that was pretty cool. So I'm glad they've incorporated something like that into Warhammer. And I like the new choices and all that. But I definitely think each one of them should have been capable. Like every one of them should have been able to make the cap of points. But unfortunately, they did not do that because they be dumb. So having said that, I am very happy that they have gotten rid of arguably have gotten rid of kill points as far as every mission is now objectives and to get quote-unquote kill points you have to take them as secondary objectives which is awesome i always hated you ask anybody in my gaming group any single person in my gaming group hey does uh pimpcron hate kill points and every single one of them will tell you yes Anytime I ever play anybody, I go, they're like, what mission do you want to play? And I'm like, I don't care, just not kill points, because I hate freaking kill points. And, well, Pimkron, why do you hate kill points? Well, I'll tell you, mysterious figure that just walked in, that sounds just like me. Uh, I hate kill points because it only plays into the hands of the hyper-competitive Cheesy players that take 18 aggressors. That's that's all that benefits. Oh, I can just kill point and click, kill, 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 rack up points. There's no strategy, there's no nothing. The towel players will castle up and then just broadside you until the day is long. (laughs) That's another messed up metaphor. Point is that uh kill points were a bad idea to begin with. So I'm glad that they're limited to secondaries and Even the secondaries are limited in how much impact it has on the game. So I definitely think that's a good idea. Overall, loving the new objective changes. And I think the Psyker one is not as terrible as it seems, the different Psyker secondary objectives. So I definitely think that the objectives are good, mostly. Now, as far as the Epic War Planner, the very best freaking book ever made by humanity... The Epic War Planner, which is my book supplement, came out last November. It's still completely compatible with Ninth edition. The only thing I would say is um, most of the missions say at the end of the turn you score. If you really wanted to, you just ignore that and score in your command phase. I mean, that's the only difference. Um, everything else is basically the same. The points, obviously, you know, you used to score one point for an objective or three at the end or whatever. It, it's still that same way. It's not you know, five points per objective. I honestly feel like that's a little arbitrary anyway. And uh, Highlander this year, all of our Shorehammer tournaments are staying with the, you know, one point, three point, whatever. We're not doing the five points, 15 points nonsense. I don't think that really matters that much because if you think about it, let's do some quick maths here. If I score a total of three objectives for 15 points, right? My opponent scores... Two objectives for 10 points. Guess what? He got two-thirds of my points. If I score three objectives for three points each, making it nine points, and he scores those same two objectives for six points, guess what? He scored two-thirds my points. La-di-da. Very few of these really change the points. Like, I think there's one for four victory points, and there's a couple of them that are not five, but For the most part, I kind of feel like the the increase in points was purely for the painting requirement. I really, truly believe that they wanted to include the painting requirement and they wanted scores to be much higher. But if if we did, if we went tit for tat and I got three and you got two and then I got four and you got five and you got and we just play a normal game percentage wise you either still won or you still lost that doesn't ma- matter at all and the percentage of it okay i scored 11 points you scored 15 okay well you know times that by 5 whatever that is it's it's still the same percentage loss so it's really not going to help you in any way and i truly think they could have just said hey you get one point at the end of the game for a painted army instead of 10 or whatever you get for it i really don't think they had to change anything but they wanted to change it. Whatever. It's it's kind of irrelevant, honestly. Um, so the Epic War Planner is completely still applicable. There's very little changed in that. Um, and actually, I usually play the Epic War Planner. What I'll do is I'll play the Epic War Planner, and then I pick some secondaries. Um, you know, treat... You do one way or the other. You either do the slay the warlord linebreaker like you used to and score it like the book says, or you just make every objective worth five and la de da. It's, it's extremely still compatible. So, um, and honestly, I have been kicking around the idea for a second war planner. Cause I always expe- expected to make them a, uh, a series anyway. That's why it says book one. So, uh, I've been very busy with all the brutality stuff. I'm working on a brutality supplement, yada, yada. And, I think I will definitely be making a second Epic War Planner. It was very popular and I've got lots of new narrative ideas and I want to do another narrative campaign and all of that stuff. So I definitely think that, um, it will still be scored the same way I prefer to score it and you can just make it work. It's just the way it is because the Epic War Planner is not specifically for Warhammer anyway. Um, So, I mean, obviously, it's very compatible with Warhammer, but it's not a Warhammer supplement, quote unquote. So, Epic War Planner, if you haven't picked it up, it's on Amazon. It's at the end of every single one of my articles as a link. Definitely go check it out. It's got some really cool game modes that switch up the game and add AI and a bunch of stuff. Enough of that, though. I believe you had one more question. You specifically asked me um, how balanced I think the objectives are, but I'm going to twist your question a little bit and answer it how good how balanced do you think the main objectives and the secondary objectives are well assuming that both players are competitive or or just competent in any way even if you're not competitive if you're competent you're going to have a pretty close game with objectives assuming that one of you isn't taking uber cheese or whatever so your primary objectives are going to be arguably neck and neck the entire game So the secondary objectives are kind of a big deal in your scoring. Your secondary objectives, you can pick, okay, I picked Titan Slayer and you don't have any super heavies. Well, you're an idiot. That sort of thing. You have to pick the objectives that you think are going to work for your army in this game, in this situation. So I think that makes a huge impact on the game. Uh, I think they're, what, half your points or whatever. So it's it's a very big impact and you got to make the right choice. And, uh, some of them, like I said, will be tying your arm behind your back. And then some of them will be tying your arm behind your back. Depending on your opponent, you know, you pick thin their ranks and they're playing custodies. Well, guess what? That's a bad choice. So, oh, I took an, you know, all custodies army and I took Titan slayer and thin their ranks. Well, you're an idiot. (laughs) So anyway, that is basically all I have to say on that topic. Um, thank you for writing in Grendel. I greatly appreciate it. and thank you for supporting the podcast on Patreon. And write in anytime you want. buddy boy. Want that or want that not? Whoopsie, sorry for the bad audio quality. Uh, I accidentally recorded over the segment that I was supposed to post in here. So if you're hearing this, I have now replaced it with another pre-recorded segment of Want That or Want That Not, but it's different than what I introduced in the very beginning of the episode. I'm so sorry. Don't mail me vomit. And today, Kron and Kron, back to back, Kron Sr., Kron Jr., are going to be talking about what, Kron Jr.?
1: We're going to be talking about the Orlock Armsmasters and Wreckers.
0: I'm sorry, I fell asleep while you were saying that. What?
1: Orlock Arms Masters and Wreckers.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, I just fell asleep again. What'd you say?
1: <laughs> this is
0: the most boring name I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm not lying to. You. They flipped to the dictionary and just found words. Orlock, uh arms. Masters. Wreckers, good. Okay, Arms Masters what and is, Wreckers. What is
1: an Arms Master?
0: They're really good at push-ups. They have mastered the bicep, is well, what they they've have done. Well, they have some
1: pretty good muscles.
0: Yeah, they, Arms Masters, that doesn't even hang well together. Like, Arms <laughs> yes. Masters, yes, you burst down a door and there's criminals. I'm the Arms Master. <laughs> like,
1: They're going to and take the sidekick's
0: like, I'm the Wrecker. Like, yes. Just, oh, I hate this name. You know what? We're not even talking about the models. This name sucks. So let's talk about this name.
1: Well, I love that cyber dog. You know, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. The Arms Masters and (laughs) Wreckers. GW has... This is it, people. GW has made too many models. They have ran out of words in the English language. To name things. This is a sad, sad day for Games Workshop. No, it's
1: Now it's going to be called the Washmoor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just going to be symbols, numbers, and letters it's... from now on. Um, hey, Intern Johnny, just smash the keyboard. That's the new name for the new unit. <laughs> so, so this is for Necromunda, and it is how many people? It's, it's... eight people.
1: No, nine people. It's, it's no, eight I, people. No, it, I thought eight the people. base and the guy was two different models. Oh,
0: that would make sense. No, it doesn't. Okay, so <laughs> there's, these guys are from Necromunda, so you're going to expect some maybe cyberpunk, t- some, uh, you know, technology, but grim darkness nonsense. So this comes with two doggies, two well, two good of, boys. One of
1: them looks like a really big rat.
0: Yeah, actually, something's trailing off its head. I don't know if that's a cable or what, but at first I thought it was a giant rabbit. And I was like, wow, oh, that's that's odd.
1: <laughs> <But> <laughs> For the grim darkness of war, there's There is giant... only
0: chewing celery loudly. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> these two dogs are pretty cool. I think GW learned their lesson last time when they did um, Blackstone Fortress was a board game. And they came out with like this Doberman Pinscher cyber dog. And everybody lost their mind. Like, everybody wanted that cyber dog. By the way, I have it. Point is, that cyber dog, everybody... Like, in the secondary market, everybody was selling that cyber dog for, like, $25. Like, a crazy price for that cyber dog. Wow. And it's because there's not many animals. Like, GW, I don't think, has ever made a normal size cat. They have a large cat. They've got a couple different things that look like cats or tigers. But they've never made, like, a house cat. And, um... They've made some birds, but they'd never previously made any dogs, like legitimate dogs. Well,
1: now they have Dobermans.
0: Now they have a Doberman, and these actually, this one looks like a Rottweiler. Um, I don't know if these are both the same exact species, because the other one, I swear, looks like a cyber bunny. I'm not sure. Yeah. But they're really cool looking. I really like these dogs. Huge fan. One's a Rottweiler, one's a whatever. Now, we've got a guy with a giant hammer, or a, yeah, hammer. It's a hammer. And uh he's okay. These guys overall, do they look interesting overall? Well, I
1: mean, some of them have like the shoulder guns like war machine, but other than that, I mean, they're kind of generic.
0: I don't think they're so- I don't think they're shoulder guns. I think they are. See how this guy's flying? Yeah. I think they're like jetpack things. See two of them, actually three of them. The one guy's flying and the other two have like those same things on their shoulders. Yeah. And I think that,
1: Actually, there's
0: a third one. Oh my gosh, I just clicked on a... Okay, so remember how I said kind of mad with that guy with the giant hammer? He's got awesome hands. Wow. This is some Mad Max stuff right here. He has giant metal hands holding this hammer, and now I'm 100% on board with this model. That is beautiful. That is awesome. I... You know what? I was kind of on the fence.
1: Oh, Oh, it is a dog.
0: It is a, do- it is a Rottweiler, the other bunny. Um, the, the the bunny man was a a Rottweiler, but anyway, back to this dude with the giant hands. I love it. I love everything about it. Ugh. okay. So what? Regardless of their stupid name, which we will never repeat ever again because it's dumb.
1: Oh, you mean the Orlok armless and wreckers?
0: This model with the hammer alone sells me this kit. He looks awesome. Very Mad Maxy. Now that I'm looking at it closely. And the thing that I thought was a bunny is actually a chain on a Rottweiler, a cyber Rottweiler, which is cool. And I still, the, I still don't can't tell what this woman has on her back. It, I'm gonna say it's jetpacks because it doesn't have barrels in the front. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's jetpacks. She's got like a medical kit, or maybe it's a bomb. <laughs> Those are two things you don't want to confuse in the heat of a moment. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh God, I'm hurt! You take the bomb. Stir- de-dee, de-dee. Yeah. She's got a pistol and a bomb, and I'm glad that she's wearing her mask. She's socially distancing. That's cute. And this guy is jumping up in the air. He's got a uh, pistol and a knife, and it's pretty neat looking.
1: Yeah. This... Oh, here's a piece of paper.
0: Yeah, here's... um. That one woman... Wait, is it the woman with the... No, it's not the woman. The other woman with the jump pack, she totally looks like a mom. <laughs> Look at <laughs> yeah. her. She's like, uh, "Hey, Orlox, I'm going to the store. You want more Lunchables?" And they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> more Ovaltine, please." Is what they say. The guy with the big hammer. Yeah, he's like, "I like pepperoni." <laughs>
1: <laughs> the dog's like, um, "I want the, uh, I want the pepperoni, please."
0: You know what? The pepperoni. Hey. Every single one of these people are wearing a mask, except for the one that looks like a Karen. (laughs) Is this some sort of subtle comment on society? Wait, was this
1: made recently? She's got...
0: (laughs) Yes, it's a new release. It's a new release, Kron Jr.
1: Is this a... Is this like a pre-release? Yes, it's
0: a pre-release. It's not even sold yet. So this is brand new. (laughs) And I gotta tell you, the one that looks like an angry mom is the only one without a mask. And I think she's, oh yeah, it says right here she's got the ability, can I see the manager? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta look closely at her now to see what she's holding. She better be holding something that, oh come on, she's got knives and- Hold on, s-
1: let's let's look at her personal picture.
0: Unfortunately, she doesn't have a personal picture. She doesn't? Nah, the lady with the bomb med kit, she's got a personal picture. The guy flying, and the dog, and the Hammer Man, but this lady, the Karen, I don't know what she's. <laughs> she's clearly the leader. I'll tell you that much. She is the alpha female, and uh, she is. Oh, not... she'll
1: she'll she'll assume her dominance.
0: Yes, she will. So, uh, I, I'm more afraid of her than I am the guy with the giant metal hands and the hammer. Uh, <laughs> so there's a pretty cool guy over here with two flamer pistols and a jump pack. He looks pretty cool. Yeah. I like him. He kind of reminds me of Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. Yeah. And um, then uh, who I actually assume is the real leader, or at least Karen's husband, is this (laughs) guy. He's pointing, and he's got like a...
1: Like a semi-auto gun.
0: Yeah. And uh, all in all, I'm really, really getting a Mad Max vibe out of these guys. And I definitely would buy these for a Brutality (laughs) Warband. Am I playing Necromunda? No brutality is far superior. <coughs> cough, cough. But uh,
1: they're both skirmish war games.
0: Yeah, but brutality is like way better on every level. Well, I've never is, played Necromunda, an- but I can assume that. Dead silence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, these guys, I mean, they four out of so okay. Don't count the dogs because clearly they're they're dogs. But out of the eight people, four of them have jump packs. Two of them are dogs, and two of them are on ground.
1: <laughs> People are dogs now. People
0: are dogs. Uh, So, that is, um... I think that we've basically covered everything on here. I definitely like the Mad Max look. I definitely like the weird-looking jump packs. And Karen is just downright intimidating, so... <laughs> oh, look, both of her dogs aren't on leashes. I guess she doesn't have to follow the rules, does she? <laughs> I guarantee you when this cyber dog poops out like a, a data chip or whatever they poop, <laughs> she is not picking that up at the local park. She. <laughs> anyway, I have bad-mouthed women named Karen enough for this segment. so, uh, Definitely, I want that for me. Let me see what the price is on this bad boy. Uh,
1: $42. No, that's, that's not bad.
0: I'm 100% sold.
1: Yeah, that's uh, the one that
0: I get some uh, digital doggos and <laughs> a really cool, really cool war band. So I definitely think forty two dollars. I will probably end up picking this up if for no other reason than the dude with the giant hammer in the hands. Oh, I love that model. They shoved him in the back, but I really do think he's the MVP of the models out of this group. He is got a really cool look to him. Yeah. So who's your favorite in that?
1: My favorite would probably be, um, I don't know, we've talked about the Karen a lot.
0: Oh, you like her? No. Oh.
1: Um, I like the dogs.
0: Yeah, the dogs are definitely a cool addition. They should probably sell this set like hotcakes. With two dogs in it, and some sassy middle-aged lady, they're definitely going to sell a lot of mom models.
1: <laughs> Who isn't wearing a mask.
0: Is, she refuses to wear a mask. So, anyway, that is it. I will let you go. Thanks for being on, Kron Jr. I appreciate it.
1: I appreciate being on.
0: Now I want to talk to your manager. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Kron. Hey, people of Earth. This is Real Talk with the Pimp Kron, and today we're discussing veterans leaving the hobby and coming back. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he's been playing 40K for 15, 20 years, something like that. And um, 40K has been a big part of his life and things like that all these years. He's played NIDS and Guard and Blood Angels and a bunch of other stuff. And he had a confession to make to me the other day. He's taking time off of 40K. Now, I know that a portion of you who will just jump out of your chair right now and flip the table and tear your shirt off Hulk Hogan style and scream, I knew it! See? See? Nobody likes 40k anymore and even veterans are leaving! Then you'll start a Facebook group of old, grizzled, angry ex-Warhammer players so you can bitch about how the good old days were better than now and 9th edition sucks and blah blah blah. Then you'll set up a whole schedule of when and where you guys will take turns standing on street corners or the tops of rooftops at midnight screaming into the wind for all to hear. And, uh, I mean, I I know who you are. I've seen your billboards in my town. I've read about your rallies in the newspaper. I've walked out a GW store and you threw red paint on my fur coat. Hmm? Maybe that wasn't you. Maybe it was another group. But the point is, I'm sure some veterans leave because they don't like the current edition, and that's fine. And a couple weeks ago, if you remember, I was kind of, I can't say I was going to leave the hobby, but I was kind of like humdrum about 9th edition, specifically the new complexity of the codexes and just feeling down in the dumps a little bit about 40k. Not that I was going to quit it. Even in my article, I said I wasn't going to quit. I was going to force myself to play and learn to enjoy the game in a new way. And that is what personal growth is about people. But my friend is leaving the hobby. Because a lot of stuff is going on in his life, and he needs some time away from 40K. Because no matter what it is in your life, after you do it for 15 years, it will eventually become less exciting. I mean, you know, you married people know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Nope, you know what, I'm going to take that. Remind myself to edit that uh, joke out so I don't get hit by my wife. She's stronger than me. So, 40K veterans don't actually die. They just go to hell and regroup. No, they just take a break. So when you quit the hobby, you should just burn all your bridges, spit on your friends, and just set fire to your minis, right? No, don't be like that. Or, yes, be like that and make sure you put it on YouTube, because I like to watch that sort of uh, (laughs) personal meltdown. It actually seems pretty common for people to take a couple years off this hobby and just take a break. And just James and I talk all the time about just the highs and lows. Sometimes we're like, man, I can't wait till game night. I can't wait. And then other weeks we're like... Eh, yeah, I'll go. It's just kind of like a, I want to support the club, you know, I want to make sure there's people to play and things like that, but I'm not really feeling it. And it's funny because the other week, like I said, I was kind of like in that same way. I was kind of like, oh man, I would just play iOS for a while or something like that. But then I got a game of 40k in this week and I super enjoyed it and loved everything about it. So that's, you know, It's you have your ups and downs. Don't feel bad about not wanting to be part of the hobby for a little while because it's I mean, life gets in the way and it's a very time consuming hobby going to school, getting married, having kids, buying a house, getting into some other game, X-Wing, whatever. It's no wonder that people take a break or, you know, I shouldn't have said X-Wing should have said brutality because I am a shameless promoter of my own products. But don't get depressed if life rips you away from the one thing that makes you a complete human being. It's a couple times a week I see posts on Facebook groups I'm part of, and they're saying things like, there's a veteran gamer just getting back into the game, and I need advice on my army composition, blah, blah, blah. I've seen it in comments, sections, and letters written into podcasts, and Facebook groups, and all that. So just when you see all these people selling armies and things like that, Uh, I was a little concerned about that recently because I, you know, I, I sometimes buy and sell lots. I'll keep some stuff and sell it, whatever. And, um, I've noticed that the market has tanked. I mean, the, the prices, you can't sell anything near MSRP at all right now. And that might be something to do with like, you know, lack of funds or unemployment or, you know, no stimulus checks or whatever. It could be any of those things, but, there's also a ton of people selling armies right now. Age of and 40K. And part of it kind of concerns me because I'm like, oh God, is everyone getting out of this hobby? And who knows? They might be selling their army because they're just, you know, trying a different army or they got excited about Necrons or they got excited about Space Marines or whatever. It doesn't mean they're getting out of the hobby just because everybody seems to be selling an army right now. That doesn't really prove anything. So we could draw some conclusions from that, but not really. Just like me, I've been selling a bunch of my armies lately and just downsizing. And I know if you're a regular listener to this podcast, I'm not going to bore you with the specifics, but I'm, you know, selling off and remaking my orc army. I sold off and and I'm remaking my Necron army. I sold off all my Chaos Space Marines and now I've got a small Space Marine, Chaos Space Marine force of just the models that I want, yada, yada. So I am also doing that same thing. I realized that I really don't need 4000 points of each army. I need like a good... 2000 to 2500 and that's that if i want to play them in a different way i'll just play a different army that plays a different way that's what i'll do so my point is as a matter of fact one of my good friends took a 10 year break from it before getting back into it he still got into it i see these comments every single day people are still getting back into the hobby after hiatus the guy I speak about uh, quite a bit, uh, Blinkety Blam Steve, who uh, does a bunch of the train for Shorthammer, he played w- Warhammer for 10 years and then got out of it for 10 or 15 years and then jumped back in when he found our group and then played with us for probably four years and then he's kind of been out for like two other years or something like that. I mean, he's he's been in and out for a long time. He still owns and buys a bunch of the stuff, but... Um, just don't feel bad don't pre- put pressure on yourself if you're feeling like you need a break or you're just feeling like you should sell your stuff or whatever one thing is if you're actually selling your stuff because you me- need money that's one thing like if you can't pay your bills if you're selling stuff because of a short-sightedness of thinking that oh well I don't like it right now so five years from now I'm definitely still not going to like it here's what you do hold on to your stuff if you don't need the money just hold on to your stuff you might get back to it in six months. You might get back to it in six years. But if you get to several years of not playing it. And you still don't have a yearning in your heart to play this game. Then consider selling it. But don't sell it right away. Just because I got a, I got a friend David. <laughs> uh, in our group. He I bought his Necron army twice. What's that? Yes. I bought his Necron army twice from him. He started Necrons. Back in like fifth edition or something like that, and then he ended up getting out of it, and he got another army, orcs or some other army, and I I bought his necrons from him. Then a couple years later he got back into necrons, and then a couple years later he got back out of necrons, and then I bought his necrons from him again. Yes, and um, I've bought orcs from him at least once, if not twice. I know just James bought orcs from him once. Now, part of, I think, the reason why he's getting out of these armies is because I think what he told me is that his painting has gotten much, much better over the years. So it really bothers him to be playing with his old models that don't look as good as his new models. So I can kind of see that a little bit. But um, if he was getting rid of it just for the sake of not liking the army anymore, then that is potentially short sighted. Now, I mean, I don't know what his situation is. Maybe he needed the money or whatever. I don't know. But the point is, is that, um, just in his situation right there, he's bought and sold the same army at least twice. To be honest, I gotta tell you, I'm shocked that I haven't burned myself out yet. My life is Warhammer 24-7. I've written over, uh, nearly 300 articles, I think, at this juncture. Like, 300 articles of Warhammer weekly for, I think, six years? It's been a long time I've been writing articles, and now I've got two years of a weekly podcast. And uh, I mean, it's just that's I, I live and breathe Warhammer, not in a competitive nature, but just, you know, I, all my free time, if I get any free time, I'm painting miniatures either for brutality or Warhammer, talking about Warhammer at work with James and I have my convention and all that. And it's funny, um, my entire Facebook feed is all pictures of models. I mean, of course I've played other games and liked other games. Um, I passively play Magic. I don't keep up with all the stuff, but I passively play Magic. I used to play Firestorm Armada before they ruined that. Um, I play Age of Sigmar, but that doesn't really count because that's still Warhammer. I basically cut all my games down to AOS, 40k, and Brutality. That's all I play now. I used to play a bunch more, but I found it hard to find opponents and things like that. So I guess the moral of the story is... I have known many, many people to get out of this hobby. I have also known many, many people to get back into this hobby. And some people in the 11, 10 or 11 years that I've played, uh, I've seen them join the hobby, get out of the hobby, and join it again. Like I've said before, it's a very time-consuming hobby, and it takes up a lot of space, and it's expensive, and all of that. So you really should not feel bad if you want a break from the hobby You want to chill out and do something else or it just does not fit your lifestyle right now because some things that we don't usually realize in life is that your lifestyle changes over time. A big deal, of course, would be like whatever career you have. Um, If it's, you know, retail or it's medical profession or it's whatever Um, that obviously impacts your free time and the time you have to do things a lot, depending on what your job is, whether you work 60 hours a week or 20 hours a week or whatever. Another thing is your location. If you move locations, that changes a lot in your ability to actually get a game in. You may have a huge gaming group. They might be a bunch of assholes or you might have no game group at all. So that's going to affect quite a bit. Um, And uh, maybe you don't have any friends that play Warhammer or whatever. Also, of course, marriage. You have now a dedication to another person and you can't just spend all your free time doing what you want because, you know, stupid marriage. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, you do have to be considerate of your spouse or your partner and um, whether monetarily or just time wise, you do have to pay attention to them and you can't spend all your money on Warhammer regardless if you want to or not. So marriage is a big deal. And then, of course, children is a very big deal, even more, I think, than job or or uh, marriage, because, you know, you're married to an adult, so they are pretty self-sufficient. I mean, if you're if you choose to bathe your partner, then that's between you guys, but the average person doesn't need to be bathed by another person. If you choose to feed your partner, then that's between you guys, <laughs> and the average adult does not need to be fed by another person. If you need to change your your the diaper of your partner, once again, that's between you guys. I'm never going to understand that, but that's between you guys, and most adults don't need to be changed. And your work, no matter how stressful it is, you eventually get to go home unless you're uh, a nun or something. So what I'm saying is your spouse is supposed to not fully depend on you for every single little thing. And your job, you at least can punch out at the end of the day in most circumstances. But children... Well, children you never punch out of, and it's a 24 hour a day, sometimes even in the middle of the night, even when they're not babies, they wake up and they're sick or they wake up and they got a bad dream or they're whatever. It's a 24 hour a day job. So I'm not at all complaining about that. I love being a dad. But the point is, is that all of those fluctuations, think about it. When you were in high school, your lifestyle was a certain way. You lived in a certain place. You had certain friends. You had certain free time. Then you went to college, or you got a job, or you whatever, and then that changed. Then if you got married, or you had kids, or whatever, that changed again. Maybe you had great financial times, maybe you had bad financial times. You We always look at our life as static, but it is anything but static. I mean, you could you could be having a great time or a terrible time in the blink of an eye, honestly. You could get some terrible diagnosis tomorrow, or, or whatever. You could get a divorce, or your house burns down, or, or whatever happens. So the point is maybe I've been too long winded on this, but the point is, is that you can't expect your life to always match your ability to play this game or even your urge to play this game when I'm working 70 or 80 hour weeks. A lot of times those are the weeks that I'm like, oh, I'm just I'm going to go to Warhammer so that, you know, there's plenty of attendance and people got people to play with and show support for the group. But damn it, I am not in the mood to play tonight. And then other times, I'm super stoked. And it's just that we are not static creatures, and your life situation is not a static situation. So this is a very involved hobby, and it won't always fit you without some extreme effort. So don't feel bad about it. You can always come back to it. The grass is always greener. Things always get better eventually, and you will come back to it. I would suggest you don't sell your armies, but... If you have to for financial reasons, obviously that's a different story. Anyway, just because you're taking a break now does not mean it's the complete end of the road. And that is it. Thanks for listening to the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. Thank you to our lovable supporters on Patreon, and you can do that too, patreon.com slash pimpcron. Throw some shekels our way. And we also have our... Did sexy sponsor gamemat.eu for your pre-painted terrain needs and your gaming mat needs they got like a crap ton in their catalog a ton they do double-sided mats they do four x four mats they even do the new dimension of whatever the you know 27 and 47 16ths uh by i think it's 18 and 170 45ths i think it is that's the new dimensions for the mats and uh Anyway, they've got all the mats, the old style mats, new style mats, 4x4s, 3x3s, X-wing mats, double-sided mats, all the mats you could ever want. So, go ahead and do that. Also, remember to use our code uh, for 10% off, EVENT10, and that would be helpful to you. I'll see you next week, y'all.